0: Guys, you are listening to the Dirty Sheets podcast. This is going to primarily be a wrestling show. Yes, we are not going to talk about any of that bullshit on Twitter and on YouTube and relating to K one hundred or Conan or Disco or Joe Feeney or Bin Hammie or Vince Russo or Dave Meltzer or Sean Rossap or any of these people. However, I will say at the start of the show, they did release their little hit piece on YouTube. It was not very good. It was full of lies. Conan claiming that I wanted an interview with Dave Meltzer and I wanted an interview with Karrion Cross. Why the hell would I want either of those things ever? And absolutely no interest in ever having Karrion Cross or anybody from the WWE on my show. There is a route that you go down for that. It means cleaning up your act and cleaning up your behaviour and uh, trying to get yourself on the media list and trying to apply for interviews, which I cannot even get with my own friends. So why would I need him to do anything for me? And even in relates to the Ray Mysterio thing, um, that was a lie as well. I was told that Dominic and Ray listened to the show and I said, oh, how about sorting out an introduction? And while we sorted out the introduction... Austin knew it was going to be happening and he got his figure signed in that process. Did not ask him for a to get him a signature. That could have easily been done a different way because we're in the same hotel. If we see him around the hotel, in the gym, in the lobby, in the restaurant, we can get the autograph anyway. There doesn't need to be any kind of formal introduction or anything of that nature. So that was another bullshit story. And the Meltzer thing, well, Cav has a connection to Dave Meltzer through his um, San Jose links, and always has though. And if we wanted to reach out to Meltzer, we could have always reached out to Meltzer. And again, I've never had any interest having him on the show. So their hit piece was primarily lies. Joe Feeney came in, talked about his emails and whatnot, his lies. Disco was not very um, complimentary towards me, calling me, a narcissist saying I had narcissistic personality disorder, blah, blah, blah. Sounded like many of my um old ex-girlfriends, actually. And he's he's probably taking this like a like a bitter ex-girlfriend because they know they can't do a sports show without me. They can, of course, anybody can, but their sports show has zero credibility because they know nothing about sports. It's exactly how they feel about me. Talking about wrestling and coming on here and, and doing a wrestling show when I haven't been in the locker room or I haven't tied out my boots and therefore I have no opinion to talk about it. Yet everything I say is just far more interesting and relevant than everything they have to say, even though they did that thing where they wrestled and their, their opinion automatically becomes more important and more valid. Yeah, I was the guy telling them for six weeks that Roman Reigns was going to win and why he was going to win and they told me that I was a fucking moron. Well, who's a fucking moron now? The, the two guys who now do a podcast because they worked during the busiest period in all of wrestling, the most watched period of all of wrestling and didn't save, in, didn't save any of their money. One needs to beg fans for donations so he can get kidney, a new kidney and dialysis and the other one needs to work in a strip club Who's the real fucking moron, guys that have made millions and wasted it, or me, who hasn't wasted any of my money and does this for fun? I'll let you answer that question. So that's just the beginning part where I'm going to get that out of the way, and I'm never going to talk about that again on this show, at least. And uh, at the top of the show, before we move on to some of the subjects that we wanted to talk about, obviously, we're here to talk about the draft, what happened, what may happen. I said that we go back and visit WrestleMania and we would talk about it by using the Dirty uh, Sheets star system because people were not happy with the way that we covered it. And um, we're going to use our star system, which I think is more credible than the other star system, which somehow lets you get seven out of five. Yes, you can get more than 100% in Dave Meltzer's star system. Not in mine. So, therefore, I feel it is more credible. It's certainly popular with a lot of people. And that's why we're going to be doing that again on the show. But at the top of the show, you may be confused why you were hearing audio for SummerSlam 92. Now, this wasn't originally supposed to be a bit on the show. But I feel compelled to talk about it as I am English- I've been to Wembley Stadium many, many times. I did not go to SummerSlam 92. Um, I was a new wrestling fan at the time. My dad did not get me the uh, tickets. Don't actually know what I did at school or or what I did like, or how I misbehaved at that time or whatever, for whatever reason I didn't get it. I know I asked and I know I ended up watching it at my cousin's house because we didn't have Sky TV at the time. But ultimately, wasn't at SummerSlam. One of my big regrets, but bearing in mind I was... Only nine years old or ten years old. There's nothing really I could do about it. Uh, it's not like I could. Um, it's not like I could buy the ticket and decided. Nah, I'm not going to buy this ticket. The show doesn't look very good. Not really interested in it. No, it was. It was me asking my parents for um, tickets and them saying no. But um, anyway, the reason we're talking about it is because Wembley Stadium posted out a tweet, and it said a century of memories, 100 years of the world's most iconic stadium. And guess what was missing from the poster? SummerSlam 1992. God forbid that Wembley Stadium decided that the wrestling show that they held once upon a time, 31 years ago, wasn't one of the biggest shows that they ever had. Now, it could be for a number of reasons. Number one, they regularly do things there for 80,000 people. They've had things like the World Cup finals, the Euro finals. Massive artists have played there. And um, it probably wasn't at the forefront of their thoughts that WWE or WWF at the time once booked this building for a wrestling show and decided that they were going to pad out the attendance and say that there wasn't 80,000 people there. Now, there was a lot of people there. I've no doubt that it was well over 65, maybe even over 70,000 people. But this is normal for every show that happens at Wembley Stadium, and it isn't a major concert, and it isn't a major sporting event. Now, when you look at this poster, which some people picked up on, the main omission had to be the fact that Michael Jackson... Was not included on the poster. And this is obvious why. um, Obviously, we are living in very, very woke times. There are paedophile allegations against Michael Jackson. And as I said, everything is now safe and woke. And they've decided that even though he's never convicted, in fact, he was acquitted as a paedophile that we are not going to put this fucking person on our poster, which is absolutely ridiculous. Because in his entire career, Michael Jackson sold a total of 1.3 million tickets across 15 dates at Wembley Stadium. For those of you who are trying to do the math, don't bother. That's 86,000 tickets per show on average. Now, if anything kept the lights on at Wembley, it would have been the fact that Michael Jackson was there doing 1.3 million tickets. And we did see this alluded to under the poster. Somebody photoshopped Michael Jackson into the center of it and said, I've fixed it for you. And there are a couple of comments about that. Do you want to know what most of the comments were and the people who took over this thread and began complaining about what was missing it was your fucking moron internet community wrestling Twitter wrestling fans crying that the British Bulldog and Bret the Hitman Heart were not at the forefront of this fucking poster. That they were not included when you're looking at 100 years of Wembley and the limited number of things that they can put on there. They thought that the omission of Bulldog and Bret from SummerSlam 92 was more significant than the fact that Michael fucking Jackson had sold 1.3 million tickets compared to the 70,000 that WWE did for a fake wrestling show in 1992. This is just clown shit. It's just synonymous. It just become synonymous with what the wrestling community is. They're a fucking joke. They're a bunch of morons. They're a bunch of losers living in their wrestling bubble. By the way, I welcome all my wrestling community listeners to the show you're much you're appreciated um in in this space but obviously as i mentioned on the last show i always like to think of my listeners uh, listening to this show whilst they're driving or playing golf or in the gym going golf was a new one or in the gym or, or doing things when you're when you're doing things i don't think of people sitting there and shutting out the lights and eating a fucking pizza <laughs> But if you are taking in the content that way, we're not here to judge anybody. We appreciate everybody who supports the show, especially now, especially as the show is going to be expanding. We are going to be doing more content now that I have more time. I'm not wasting it with a bunch of uh, WCW rejects and their suck ups. I am going to be doing more shows. So look out for the additional content. And if you are a fat fuck, make sure that you do go to the gym because I do like to think of our listeners as people that do go to the gyms, people that do have a social life, people that do want to try and get girls, people that do have an income, not people that have um, that have a BO problem, smelly, sweaty wrestling fans with double chins and guts and receding hairlines and who watch Japanese wrestling tapes and just don't care about anything else. Like that's never who the show was supposed to go out to. So if you are just one of these types of people and you still do like us, then I would encourage you to go out and actually do something. It's not difficult to sort yourself out. It's not difficult to increase your income. It's not difficult to um, to, to fix your, your health issues. And, um, and yeah, so I, I just have this thought in my mind this this vision in my mind of the type of people that we may actually be for and those are the types of people that won't get offended by things that we say and especially not the type of people who will be commenting underneath a thread for Wembley Stadium crying complaining about the fact that the Bulldog and Bret Hart were not included in the 100 years of Wembley when Michael fucking Jackson wasn't there absolutely ridiculous shit And um, I mean, we could do a whole show on a weekly basis where we just go through wrestling Twitter, go through the wrestling community and just circle and highlight shit that we see. I know Russo does a show where it's castrating the marks in their dirt sheets and it's usually um, catered towards um, burying the dirt sheet writers and whatnot. But honestly, you could bury these fans six foot under on a weekly fucking basis. And uh, this was just some embarrassing shit that I felt compelled to comment on because I am British. Um... I have been to Wembley Stadium numerous times and, of course, AW were there and probably likely to set the all-time lowest attendance record as they tried to sell over 41,000 tickets to avoid that very much unwanted accolade. I mean, let's be honest they're not going to say that they got it anyway. You're guaranteed to say that they did sell 40,000 plus. They're probably going to say that uh, that they immediately sold that upon release. They're probably going to say that a few days after, oh, we've already sold 40,000 because we bought them by ourselves. But yeah, I mean, I think it would be a good achievement if they do manage to really avoid that record and really do sell in excess of 41,000 tickets for Wembley Stadium, much like SummerSlam 92 did and um, still didn't get included in the poster and doesn't really belong in the poster when you look at the actual poster. I don't know what you would admit. I certainly wouldn't complain about it. If it had been there, fine. If it's not there, fine. But the fact that they have absolutely invaded it with their toxicity and bullshit and delusion... It just typifies what this fan base actually is and what it's become, and why it's become so difficult to watch wrestling. And and me and Cab always talk about that that old adage: What have you got a girlfriend? And how do you tell her? And when do you tell her that you watch this? And try to explain that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I ain't one of those guys. I'm not one of them. And when I'm talking about the one of them, I'm talking about all of the, all of the adjectives and whatnot that I outlined earlier, describing the type of people that I don't think listen to this show. But um, all are welcome, except trans except transgenders. But all else are welcome. Uh, as we move on here with the rest of the show, let's talk about the WWE draft. Um it was a little bit underwhelming i felt in my opinion nothing there really surprised me yeah you swapped around the women's titles and you swapped down the swapped around the secondary championships but we've seen all that before um i think the most compelling part for most would have been the the destination of roman reigns but that was only because there was a bullshit story out earlier in in the week that Roman Reigns was going to Raw. People really need to stop giving weight to these people. They are not credible whatsoever. Roman Reigns, as outlined by my report, was never, ever going to Monday Night Raw. Fox wouldn't wouldn't have allowed that. I don't think they are going to allow that for Ronda Rousey either. I can now read exactly what I wrote over on my Patreon page. If you want to sign up, it's thedirtysheets.com. You will get stories exactly like this before everybody else, and you won't be a fucking idiot sitting there waiting for Roman Reigns to be drafted to Raw. The story says, this is a huge story, and the future ramifications are unknown at this point. However, there is significant heat on Roman Reigns and on Vince McMahon right now the biggest advocate for Roman Reigns to remain as champion as previously reported Roman Reigns was set to drop his title to The Rock who would have subsequently been cashed in on by the money in the bank holder the money in the bank holder was supposed to be Cody Rhodes from the money in the bank that was supposed to be held in Las Vegas at the stadium not at the arena That's not in the article. I'm just adding that for you. This would have given Roman his promised four month break from WWE television. When The Rock was swapped out for Cody because Rock didn't want to do the show because Vince McMahon has just been a shit cloud of controversy going into WrestleMania. So The Rock decided in January he wasn't going to do it. Uh, Added that bit too. Many believed Triple H. Many believed, including Triple H, that the plan would remain in place for Roman to drop his belts and to take his extended vacation while the belts would be split with Cody as the champion. However, Vince McMahon was not ready to pull the trigger on ending the reign's title reign. Vince ultimately made the call to not finish the story at WrestleMania, as I told those fucking idiots on Keep It 100 that he wouldn't, thus causing huge complications for splitting the belts. While Vince... Well, I don't know what to say. While Vince decided and told Roman and Creative that he was keeping the title, he did not secure any additional dates for Roman Reigns to appear during his vacation. So let's rewind that back there. Vince has decided, yeah, we're not going with Cody. We're not giving. We're not gonna uh, change the belts as planned and allow Roman to go on the vacation actually, we're still going to allow Roman to go on a vacation. We're just not going to do the splitting belts part. And instead of having a conversation with Roman and saying, oh, okay, so um, we're now going to keep the belts on you. We're going to go against what was previously planned. But in order for that to happen, we need you to come in a few times during your vacation. Otherwise, you're going to be off television for four months. And that doesn't really work for me, brother. No, that conversation wasn't had. The decision was made. And uh, there was no immediate conversation with Roman Reigns to say, hey, we need you for this, 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 and this. That was not outlined during this initial conversation. Now, Triple H and others, back to the story, assumed that Roman would play ball after he initially agreed to stay on and appear at Raw. So you haven't had a conversation with Roman where you've said, oh, we need you at this, this, and this, but let's start slow. Can you come to work tomorrow yeah, I'll be there tomorrow, I'll change my flight and I'll come to Monday Night Raw. That set the table so they believed for Roman to be more widely available for other dates. That was not the case as we move back to the story. However, Roman has not been agreeable when it comes to any further dates. Roman is refusing to attend any of the draft shows. Now, this was said after the draft. No one else knew this. Everyone expected him to show up to at least one of the shows. I knew that he was not. So Roman is refusing to attend any of the draft shows this coming week and also isn't scheduled to appear at Backlash or Money in the Bank. Backlash is another show where he refused to appear. He was asked to come to the draft and he was asked to be in Puerto Rico for this six-man tag uh, where he wouldn't have been in the... where he would have been in a match instead of solo. But no, that's not happening, obviously. Um it's also believed that Roman does not wish to be at Knight of Champions in Saudi which would actually fall. On his 1,000th day as champion. And he is especially unlikely to appear. If Randy Orton is unable to get in ready in time for the show. So, rewinding back. I did another story a few days ago. Saying that um, Randy Orton was going to join in. With this storyline. With the bloodline. And uh, Matt Riddle, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. And Randy Orton would even up the numbers. Leading to a match with Roman. Randy Orton does not have the all clear at this moment in time and the fact that randy orton who is a future opponent for roman reigns can't get cleared means that roman reigns is less likely to do the date now it was never agreed upon for roman at wrestlemania night but as conversations have moved forward roman reigns was pitched the idea of working with randy orton I believe that Roman Reigns was agreeable to doing the match with Orton because it's an easy night's work. It's easy to come in. You can build it off one or two televisions. But now, with Randy Orton is not cleared, Roman has decided to stick to his guns and is saying, well, if you don't have an opponent for me, then what's the point of me cutting my vacation short? Ultimately, in my opinion, this is none of this is in the article, I do think that he'll do the show. I do think that they will find somebody for him to work with, whether it be um, a Seth Rollins or a, a Matt Riddle or an AJ Styles or they quickly get to the Jey Uso thing, even though that looks like a longer story, or maybe even Bobby Lashley. I do think that Roman will do the show. Although my article says, with Roman now unlikely to show up to culminate his own major 1,000-day milestone, this has put significant heat on both Reigns and McMahon. Furthermore, it was said to be Vince's decision to keep Roman as the two-belt undisputed champion and introduce a third belt rather than stripping him of one championship, believing that the Roman Reigns' presentation should remain untouched and not lessened in any way whatsoever. We'll get back to that in a second. Roman Reigns is set to be drafted to SmackDown as the number one pick where he will keep both belts, but won't bother attending the show, which he did not, as per the original agreement. So let's unpack that as well. Yeah, Roman Reigns didn't turn up for the show. That is correct. Roman Reigns was number one. That was correct. Roman Reigns saying that he isn't interested in turning up for, um, for the Saudi show. That is also correct at this moment in time because, as I said, nothing was outlined on Sunday night when they decided he was beating Cody or finalising it. I imagine it was done quite a few days before. And the only thing that Roman was asked to do was to come in on Monday. Now, Roman Reigns... Obviously knew that the one thousand day anniversary or the one or the one the one thousand day celebration was coming up and that they would have asked him to be on television for it if they decided to go in that direction and he was agreeable to that and agreeable to the opponent. At this moment in time, WWE need to go back to Roman Reigns and have an entirely different conversation. And the fact is, the conversations so far have not gone well. Do you want to do? Can you do backlash? No it'll be a six-man tag, I don't care, do you want it to, can you turn up for one of the nights of the draft, no, not Friday, not Monday, can you turn up to the UK for Money in the Bank, no, so everything has been a no at this point in time, so the only show realistically where I would expect to see Roman Reigns for would be for the thousand-day anniversary which occurs on the night of Night of Champions, but If it's hard enough to get Roman Reigns to do that, to turn up for his own culmination of the thousand days, how do you get him on television to build up the match if he's not turning up for the draft? It's a very, very difficult situation unless you literally just turn around and say that Roman Reigns is going to be turning up on Saudi for the thousand days and he's going to be facing a mystery opponent. Like, I I don't know how you, you go about this, but I do know that Roman Reigns did not make the decision to keep his championship. Roman Reigns had that four months off for a long, long time. He's known about it for over a year. Everything was set in stone with what they were doing. And just because you changed out the opponent, doesn't mean that anything changed there. Just because I, I I don't think that Roman Reigns in any way politicked his way to beat Cody Rhodes. That was a Vincent WWE decision. And it's understandable when you look at the metrics, which is the the ratings and um, and obviously the merchandising sales, and the fact that you just uh, got into bed with Endeavor. Endeavor now owned the WWE. Maybe they don't want to change anything. Maybe they're looking at this cash cow and thinking, why are we making such a drastic and dramatic change one day into our ownership of this brand? Now, you would think that they themselves would be pushing these conversations to have Roman Reigns present within their first, you know, few weeks and months of um, of ownership. But, Obviously, if the guy's been promised something, he's been promised something. He is a girl dad as well and wants to spend time with his daughters. There's obviously a a load of commitments that he's probably fulfilling on the family side of things over the next four months. So I think it's going to be very, very difficult for Roman Reigns to come in at the of Champions and to make it make sense. I think at a push... He's going to come in and appear on one Raw or SmackDown or whatever it may be. That's going to be what you get. You're going to get a big Roman return on television and then you're going to get the match with a very underwhelming build. And then you'll have Roman Reigns surpassing the 1,000 days. And I think there's a very good chance that you'll have Roman Reigns surpassing the 1,300-day mark even and, um, and getting himself to WrestleMania 40, where I don't think that he will be facing Cody Rhodes. I think that the Cody Rhodes thing is done. I think Cody Rhodes will end up chasing this new belt. I think it's the right thing to do. I think until there is a real successor... That that makes sense. That is young enough to dethrone Roman Reigns, not the guy who is the same age as him, who's come from AEW where he's failed to get over in AEW. He's failed previously under numerous gimmicks in the WWE. For me, he's not the guy. He's fine in his current carnation of being the the champion over on Raw and winning that other title. And And even for that one, I feel that he should chase it a little bit longer because as much as you tell me there's a story to be finished... I'm not invested in your story and it is not down to the fact that I don't like the guy or anything like that or anything that these fucking babies were saying over on Keep It at 100. I don't care. I've seen enough bad product. I've seen enough bad matches. I've seen enough bad TV and I've seen enough bad champions like Jinder and Kofi and Big E to not give a fuck who has the belt. I'm still going to watch this shit and I'm still going to come on and talk about it on my podcast. It makes no fucking difference to me. But I don't feel that we end the only massively significant and special thing that we have done in the last five, six years with Roman Reigns, and we do not end it for Cody Rhodes. So go and take that other belt. Go and chase that other belt. Actually actually, make me sympathize and give a shit about your fucking story, not just the fact that your fat daddy got his hands on the belt once and that's not the reason I'm going to care. To me, you're entitled. You came in. You were given the mega push, the mega return. You have the bus. You have the, the money. You have the number 30 spot in the Royal Rumble. I don't give a fuck about your story. And um, I think we need a better and more credible opponent for Roman at WrestleMania 40, who um, who is more deserving of the, the main event spot and I think more more worthy of uh, defroning Roman Reigns if they do get to that point. If not, I don't care if Roman wins again. If Roman hunts down the, the Hulk Hogan record, I believe it's uh, what over 1,400 days. If you can get to 1,500 days, he breaks Hogan's, Hogan's record of the, the longest reigning champion in the modern era. It's ridiculous. Is to think that Roman's going to surpass Bruno because Ro- Roman would actually be out of contract by the time he does that. And I don't think, from what I understand, that Roman has any desire to sign a new contract. I think he's more geared up towards going on to Hollywood and doing other things like that, um, but you never know with this whole new deal with with Endeavor and whatnot. You never know what will happen. I think they'll be handling the the uh, the brunt of the contract negotiations and the and the TV deals and whatnot moving forward. With obviously Nick Khan still there and Vince McMahon, despite actually being number two in the company, more of a background player these days when it comes to the the business side of things. But I actually did a full show talking about the buyout with Vince Russo, so I do encourage you guys to go and check that out. It's on Russo's brand, it's on the Chicken Neck show. Did an hour and twenty minutes with Vince, so I would appreciate if you guys go and check that out. It leaves the door open for me to do more things with Russo without actually making a full commitment to to him or to any of these other shows apart from this one. This is the only show where I'm going to be at on a week to week basis. So. Uh, moving on to one of the thing, the, the final thing, really, actually, that we're going to talk about here. And that is WrestleMania. We, uh, we covered WrestleMania here on the show, but we did not cover it in a way where we, um, where we did it justice, according to some people. We did not use our Dirty Sheets star system. Now, this is a system invented by me, myself, for the Dirty Sheets. It is because I am very critical of the Dave Meltzer system. And what I'm going to do here actually is bring up Meltzer's ratings for WrestleMania. And I'm going to use his ratings for what he thinks the best matches are. And then I'm going to rate those matches myself. So I'm going to miss out the likes of uh, Theory Cena, uh, the Men's 4-Way, Trish, Lee, Becky, Uh, But I'm going to rank all of the other matches here from night one. So we'll begin with Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul. Now Meltzer gave this a four and a half stars. There is no understanding of how he gets to four and a half stars. But there is a complete understanding of how I get to my ratings. So I use five metrics. I use the build up which nobody seems to give a shit about, except me. But I think the build-up is absolutely essential to a match because this is what we get for four or five weeks. And by the time we get to that match and we see that video package, which is important to me, when when a match is big and a match is important and a match wants to hold my interest, I want to see why they're fighting. Because this isn't boxing or UFC. The, the, there isn't a real title On the line, we're not going to see a real fight between two guys that really don't like each other. We're going to see a fight between two guys who, 20 minutes before they came out, were talking in the back about what they were going to do and when they were going to do it and have to trust each other implicitly to have a wrestling match. So it's not real, it's all fake. So this is why I need a real build up. I need a story because this is the same for me as uh, Cobra Kai or Breaking Bad or anything that you watch on television. It's a TV show. And it needs a story like a TV show. So for me, the first thing I mark out of 10 is the build-up. That little video package that you see before, how good is that? How interested am I in this match based on what they've done in the last four to six weeks to get us to this point? The second thing that we look at here is the occasion. Is This a house show because if it's a house show I'm not going to give it more than 5 out of 10 for this one because the, the 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 occasion doesn't warrant it being a big this big historical match I think it's important and I think it's also says a lot more about the performers when they can when they can perform under pressure I think it's easier to have a match in front of 3000 people than it is to have a match in front of 80000 people so how important is the match out of 10 and that also the also the build up can come into that as can things that happened in the match. The historical relevance of the match, if you will, uh, is another thing that I would give out of 10. The third metric that we look at here is the bell to bell. What happened in the match from the start of the bell to the finish of the bell, and the next mark out of ten would be the crowd reaction to all of that. But the crowd reaction would also be is also relevant to what happened in the build up, because the crowd, as much as a match is good, if they're not invested in it, because the build up was shit and they don't give a fuck about it, then the match is going to be um, is going to be so so anyway as far as crowd reaction goes. So. Everything here ties into each other. The significance of the match means that the crowd are going to be more pumped up. The build-up of the match is going to be more significant to the crowd. The bell for bell, the bell to bell, can you perform in front of this big crowd who are massively invested in what you have, what you did, because the build-up was significant. So they've had four so far. The build-up, the uh, the occasion, the bell to bell. And um, the crowd reaction. And the final one, the final metric, is the finish. Nothing ruins a match like a terrible finish. A finish that takes away from everything that you've done for the first 12 to 25 minutes of the match. So these are the five things that I will score these matches on. So first of all, Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul. The build-up to this match, I thought was decent. I thought with um, Logan getting the one-up, getting the upper hand on um, on Seth throughout the build, did kind of telegraph the result. I think I would take a mark away from that. And obviously, it's not the, the greatest build-up in the history of wrestling, but I thought for a modern-day build, it was very, very good. Logan being the social media dipshit, I mean, he said a few things about how he didn't need to be here and how he only does this because he loves wrestling. That was kind of babyface-ish, baby but then he transitioned that into explaining his heel turn. I thought he did some good work. I thought Seth was good. I thought the selling was good. So I'm going to give it an 8 an eight out of 10 for the build. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 for the occasion because it's WrestleMania. And it's the big stage. It's the biggest stage so far for Logan Paul. So, automatically, we are getting a nine. Obviously, this WrestleMania could have been bigger if The, if the Rock was in it and Steve Austin and whatnot. But it's a big occasion. It's in a. Um, it's not in the main event spot. So, I'm going to give it a, a nine here. For Actually, I'm going to drop it down to an eight. Um just, just rethinking that it's not in the main event spot and it's not at a WrestleMania that I consider to be one of the biggest, despite the fact that it did do very well on Peacock and it was very well watched. I'm gonna drop that down to an eight. The bell for bell, the bell to bell, I thought was excellent. The integration of the prime bottle and the KSI uh, involvement, the the ring entrances, which I think are included within this. Yeah, I I, I loved everything here with the bell for belt to from, for the bell to bell. So I'm gonna give this a nine. Um, the finish, the finish was um, w- was was good off the back of a number of near falls. In the end, you know the, the finish was the finish. It was Seth Rollins going over clean, but ultimately after all of the the near falls that you had in this match and where some actually believed that Logan was going to win, I felt that it was a solid finish here. So I'm going to give that an eight as well. And the crowd reaction to this match was excellent throughout. They were very much into it. Loved the KSI spot. It's very hard to get 80,000 or so people into the match. So I'm going to give that a 9. So that is um, 3 8s and a 9, which makes 42, giving this 4.2 stars. Uh, had I kept that 9 on it from before for the occasion... Um, I would have, this would have gone up to four and a half stars, same as Dave. In fact, let's pump that up to 8.5. So this gets 40, 42, uh, 42.5, which can be rounded up to 4.5, which gets me on the same page as Dave in a far more logical and well-explained kind of way. So 42.5 for Logan Paul and Seth Rollins, a 4.25 rating as as, as you, uh, if you want to use the Meltzer metrics. So, um, moving on to another match I want to cover, Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. Let's go through this one quickly. The build for this was absolutely top-notch. It was a long, long build. Dominic's heel work has been absolutely phenomenal. I feel harsh that we judge some things going back to the, the previous. Er- the previous errors, you know, Rock Austin, like the My Way video, um, Hogan Andre, uh, Jake Savage. These are your 10s, but this is not that far off. So I'm going to give this 9.5 here for the build. The occasion, again, it's WrestleMania. It's not the main event, so I'm going to use the same thing I did for the last match. And I'm going to give that 8.5 out of um, eight point five out of 10. So we are now on... Um, On 18 so far out of 20, which is a very, very good start. The bell-to-bell, I thought the bell-to-bell was fine here. Um, Obviously, it's father and son. You expect them to have some chemistry there going into the ring. So I thought the bell-to-bell was just fine. Nothing extraordinary like the last match. So I'm going to give that a 7. I thought the crowd was super into this match as well, because of the build-up that we had with the Bad Bunny interference as well. Then we had incredible entrances for both men. So I'm going to give this another nine here. So we've got nine and a half, an eight and a half, and another nine, and a seven for the the in-ring. So we are heading for a big number here so far. We are on 35. The finish, the finish I thought was... um, was kind of was was kind of basic with um, Bad Bunny getting involved. Nothing wrong with the finish. Came as a surprise as well. I think for the surprise element of it, I'm going to bump this up from a seven to an eight. I think because a lot of people had Dominic winning, apart from my son who confidently called Rey Mysterio winning the match. So I'm going to give it eight out of ten for the finish, and therefore this match gets a 43. So a 4.3 and um, narrowly nudges ahead of Seth Rollins and Logan Paul. So we now move on to Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. This is a match that many people criticised for its build-up. And I do believe that the build-up did let it down to the point where it lost the main event slot. So I'm going to give it 6 out of 10 for the build. For the occasion, um, this was very close to being the main event, and I believe they worked themselves into a position where many people said this should have been the the main event. So, for that reason, because it was in the com- in the conversation to be the main event, I'm going to give it a nine, so slightly more than. Um, than the other two matches because I think the girls were under a little bit more pressure to deliver and uh, obviously pressure that they put on themselves because of the um because of the fact that they felt like they were robbed of the main event. So that's a nine out of ten for the occasion. For the rest of it, um the bell to bell, I'm going to give this a nine point five. I felt that this was the best women's match that we have ever seen to this point. And I believe the crowd agreed for me, slow to get into it, but in the end they did. And for me, that is another 9.5 here for the fact that the crowd was super, super into this match. Loads of near falls as well. I believe the crowd on numerous occasions thought that it was done and it was not. And uh, therefore, when the finish eventually came... I'm going to give them 9 out of 10 for the finish as well. So obviously, high praise here for this match. According to my calculations, this one also ends up at 43, so 4.3 with a 6 for the build, which was the huge letdown part of it. It could have been so much more than it was, but everything else, they knocked it out of the park. They got a nine for the occasion. They got a nine for the finish. And they got a nine and a half for the crowd response and a nine and a half for the bell to bell. That's 19 plus 18 plus 6, which is 43. 4.3 for this one, coming up exactly the same as Rey Mysterio and Dominic, which was carried by the build. And this was the absolute opposite. So you're seeing how important and significant the, the build up is. So just to run through what Meltzer gave his matches, he gave 4.5 to Logan Paul, Seth Rollins. He only gave four to Dominic and Rey, and 4.75 to Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. He gave five stars to the next match, which was the main event. The Usos versus Owens and Zayn. Now, for me, this was very, very much like your, um, like your pro wrestling gorilla, young bucks, Kenny Omega type of match. So, I'm not surprised that he fucking loved it um, because obviously he's going to eat that shit up. But I don't necessarily feel that um, going down the route of all of these super kicks and no selling is something that works for me. But we'll get to that later. The build undisputedly a 10 it's rare that we give 10s in the current day and age but the the pop when sammy who sammy Uso turned on the bloodline was absolutely ridiculous it um was the biggest pop that we've heard in years that was then followed by jay turning heel on sammy a huge huge pop for that And then, of course, we had the babyface turn, or at least the aligning of Kevin Owens with Sammy. Again, huge. Three massive moments leading up to this and earning it the main event slot here at WrestleMania, forcing the women out of their woke position, which was seen as an automatic for them to be the main event. This forced its way in because of the build-up, and the build-up was a 10. As for the occasion... This is the main event of WrestleMania, but it is on night one and night, not night two. And for me, it's not one of the biggest manias of all time because of the stars that didn't do it. But I have given it a 9.5 for the occasion. For the bell to bell, I've decided to only go with an eight. Because as I said, that style of wrestling doesn't really do it for me. Um... I, I think it's great and it's 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 entertaining, yes. But when I'm looking for my best matches, I am looking for better selling and a little bit more realism. I'm not to say I wasn't entertaining. It's not to say that fucking Owens and Sammy and especially the Usos aren't great. But I just I just don't want to put that type of wrestling on a pedestal. Um, I've also given. Uh, I've given eight and a half, sorry, two, I didn't give an eight um, eight and a half there, but I've given eight and a half to the finish. I thought it was very logical to have Sammy coming in and for him to deliver the finish and, and whatnot. I thought that was the right thing to do. And for the crowd reaction to everything, I've given it a 9. During some periods of this match, the crowd were a little bit worn out from everything that they'd seen, a match before especially, but they got into it by the end. The right team won. Nobody disputed the fact this should have been the main event and I have even 9 out of 10 for the crowd reaction, giving this one a 45, a 4.5 rating overall. And yes, the match of the night for WrestleMania night one, narrowly edging out... Um, The rest of them, so it's not too much difference between these matches. Ray and Dominic four point three, Rhea and Charlotte four point three, and Logan Paul and Seth Rollins four point two five, with a four point five for Owens and Zayn going over the Usos. We now move on to. Bearing in mind, these are the good matches, so we knew WrestleMania was chock full of good matches, and these are all going to be over four. Obviously, this rating is very different when we're looking at other matches here like um, Brock Lesnar and Omos or if we included um, Trish, Leiter and Becky against Damage Control. We're not doing those matches. That's where you would see lower numbers, but we're, we're, we're choosing to focus on the high-end matches and to talk about these. So for night two... I'm only going to do two matches. I expected the Hell in a Cell match to be better, but obviously the injury in that match didn't help it, and the Melts has only gone 3.75, so I'm leaving that, and I'm just doing two matches. The first one I'm covering is the Intercontinental title match. My boy Drew, along with Sheamus, challenging Gunther. I thought the build-up to this was not great, uh, I don't like it when triple threat matches are built up like this. Um, it's always difficult to build up a triple threat match. If you look back to some of them, how they've been built up with Shawn Michaels super kicking Benoit during the contract signing after he won the Royal Rumble and signing a contract like that would ever be legally allowed. I felt that was stupid, but often the build up to triple threat matches is stupid. It's always someone undeservedly kind of shoehorning their way in, or it's stupid shit where the champion looks like a moron where he thinks that, oh, if I beat both these guys up, I'm not going to face anybody. Well, no, it's WrestleMania, you dickhead. You're going to have to wrestle somebody. So, yeah, the builds to these things are never great. I think the tension between Drew and Sheamus did help. But ultimately, we've seen that match quite a few times. So I'm only going to give it 6.5 here for the build. Um, For the um occasion, yes, it's WrestleMania again. But it's a very early match on night two. So I'm going to give it an 8 for the occasion. or I Sorry, I'll bump that up to, a, to an 8.5 because that's what I did with uh, Rollins and, and, and Logan Paul. So an 8.5 for the occasion. The bell to bell, and this is going to be a 10. Because these guys absolutely beat the fucking shit out of each other. And uh, they deserve the 10 for what they put themselves through. For the finish, I'm going to give that a 9. It's really, really difficult to come up with a, a solid finish after you've been through all of that because what finish is really acceptable once you've killed each other in the end. We had near falls, we had a claymore near fall, we had a bro kick near fall, and we had um the finish coming when Gunther powerbombed Seamus onto Drew and then powerbombed Drew. Yes, it was creative and good, but as I said, no finishes ever justifiable enough when the bell to bell is a 10 and you've absolutely tortured each other, um, unless the finish is somebody picking up a fucking taser gun and shooting the other two, um, it's always difficult to find a logical way where finally somebody stays down, but I think a nine is, is pretty high, well it is, so nine out of ten for the finish, and the crowd response the crowd absolutely love this match. I'm going to give that a, a 9.5. So we have 43.5 here. So a 4.35. Haven't had that one before. I'm going to round it up to a 4.4 for the triple threat match here between Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, making that the second best WrestleMania match so far behind uh, Owens and Zane winning the title. And finally... The main event of WrestleMania from night two. And by the way, Meltzer gave Gunther, Sheamus and Drew a five star. He gave the main event here four and a half stars as Roman Reigns embarrasses the morons of keeping it 100 by beating their boy Cody Rhodes and retaining the WWE Universal title. The build up to this, I'm going to give a nine. Um, I did not like the fact Cody was number 30 at a rumble. It made it difficult for him to have credibility. There was obviously that. Cr- Actually, I'm going to lower that down to an eight because obviously, if you add in the fact there was a cloud over it for a while with possibly Sammy, many people wanting Sammy to have the have the shot, but ultimately they made up for it with some good one to one promos and therefore that elevated it. Um, it was it was heading towards the the lower end of things like a six or a seven, but definitely the work that they did brought it up. Um, from that uh six seven territory to a solid eight for the um for the main for, for the uh, occasion. Sorry, it's the main event on the main night of WrestleMania, so that's an automatic ten. This is the stage where you want to deliver, and they did deliver. The bell to bell was excellent uh, throughout. Um, a little bit too much interference, uh, but the crowd loved it. The crowd loved Owens and um, Owens and Sammy. Being um, Owens and Sammy running off the Usos, and it really made him feel like that was it. The coast was clear for, for Cody to win. But Solo Sokoa came back and interfered in the match. Now, I was absolutely delighted that Roman Reigns ended up winning this match, but I did not feel. That that was a top tier nine out of ten, ten out of ten finish. So even by giving this an eight, which I will do, maybe some bias involved because I was very happy that Roman won, but I felt like they could have been slightly more creative than getting rid of Sokoa and sending Solar back, in, Solar Sokoa back in. But it was difficult to navigate your way around how you were going to get the belt back, the keep the get keep the belt on Roman, and that's what they managed to do. And um, yeah, I'll give that an eight. And finally. Crowd reaction, the crowd were super into this match from bell to bell. Obviously, they were disappointed by by the end. Um, You can't just not give it a 10 because it's in a stadium. And on television, it might not sound as loud as um, some of the Austin Rock matches or whatever. But in fact, Austin Rock also was in a stadium and that sounded loud as hell. And this one sounds just as loud as that. So I know we give modern day wrestling a lot of shit. But for me, um, despite the fact that uh, uh, certain people wanted Sammy in this match and a lot of people were disappointed that The Rock wasn't there, by the time we came round to it, this was a genuine seller. I've told my story about how I couldn't get a ticket on the day. People were invested in this match by the time it started and people were certainly invested while it was going on. And therefore, I have given it a 10 for the crowd um, involvement as well plus also WrestleMania night two was shorter than night one so they hadn't endured as much they were actually it was actually played by a lot of these stupid adverts and filler that continued on so this 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 night was um what was wasn't full of wrestling action or as many good matches as night one was night one was definitely the better night however i do feel that this main event was good enough to carry night two this was the main reason that people were here and it did deliver in every way except for the people that wanted Cody to, to win. They felt a little bit shortchanged, but but I didn't. And this is, these are my personal ratings. So uh, I'm going to give it a 10 for crowd reaction. And therefore, this one also ends up on 45-4.5 if I've uh, added everything up correctly. And uh, therefore, that makes this the joint best match of the weekend along with Owens and Zayn winning the title and that's the way it should be imagine that a Wrestlemania where the best two built-up matches were also the best matches in the ring with the most crowd reaction to them and the best action bell to bell and both of them had solid finishes and yeah, that, that's really how things should be done with me giving um, Owens and Sammy a 45, 4.5, and Roman Reigns and Cody ending up with the same mark for night two. So you may agree, you may disagree. You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm currently at LockBettingCon, but I will be doing a wrestling Twitter. You can also hit up cav at Lingus Mafia and give him your opinions, or you can email us and we will read that stuff out on the show. So, if you shoot me an email, um, I'm trying to think where you can send it to me. In fact, just shoot me a DM. Shoot me a DM. Uh, we'll come up with an email that we're willing to give out for next week. Because last time we gave an email out to people, um, we had Sean Ross, Saps, morons starting to um, send us all of this shit, all of this spam. That was in Cav's mailbox for for weeks, signing them up to this, that, and the others. So when we get ourselves a work email, we used to have one. We we stopped using it because there was no point having it because no one used it. But once again, we will be giving people a way to contact us and to ask questions because as I said, we are gonna be doing more, especially me. I'm gonna be doing more on the show. It's fucking difficult to do podcasts by yourself but I have a feeling it's going to be difficult to convince Cav to make himself available more than once a week. So you will have to just deal with me. But fuck, you listen to, or some people listen to JD from New York and he does a podcast on his own and he's a fucking moron. So... I don't think that I am that, although some people would even disagree with that. So if you want to hit all, get all of my stuff, if you want to win some money, I am at LockBetting.com on Twitter. The website is LockBetting.com. 119 months in a row of Trap profit. And if you just want your wrestling news, which is correct before everyone else, head over to thedirtysheets.com and sign up for my Patreon. That's it for me, guys. Thanks for listening.